Now, podcasting to Ottawa Senator fans around the world. Around the world. It's the Sins Nation Podcast. From praising Alfie to Brady Kachuk and everything in between. If it matters to Sins fans, we're talking about it right here. And now, here's Steve Warren. Hey everybody, welcome to the Sens Nation podcast. It's Steve Warren along with Greg Kennedy. Thank you for being here. Episode number two of this weekly blast of Ottawa Senators goodness. Coming up today, maybe the highlight of the season, the Bobby Ryan hat trick Thursday. What is the best place right now for players like Drake Batherson or Josh Norris? The NHL or the AHL? And what is the best case scenario for the Sens draft this summer? We'll give you a rough idea based on history and science. Science. <laughs> I did math. <laughs> How are things? Good. Uh, last Good. week, I got to say, um, a game puck goes to you because uh, <laughs> you powered through with a pretty bad flu going on. Yeah. How are yeah, you feeling? But I'm much better now. Good. The vo- but for those who don't know, <laughs> this is the normal voice. Right. Yeah. It's okay, though. I'm good. Good. The good gravelly voice going. Good and resonant, and, and uh, we're set to go. And I think probably your storyline of the last seven days, I know it's uh, starting to get old hat for uh, for those uh, checking the show out, but such is the nature of a weekly podcast. The Bobby Ryan story, we should touch on that out of the gate because I think in the big picture, we're going to remember that maybe as the highlight of the Ottawa Senators' season. And wasn't it wonderful? Yeah, oh, God. Uh, like, I'm, I'm watching the game, and, and after the fight, I'm immediately thinking, okay, Gordy Howe hat trick. But no, he does this one better and gets the, gets the true hat trick. Yeah. Would have been good, though, if he chipped in oh, an assist yeah. there as well. Maybe a regular hat trick and a Gordy hat trick. I wonder yeah. how often that's happened. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's already seeming far fetched as it is. So that might have been pushing our luck because, I mean, any Hollywood producer who was presented with the script that Bobby Ryan wrote for himself on Thursday night, a hat trick, his first game at home in three months since leaving a rehab situation with the NHLPA assistance program, they'd say that was just insane. They'd kick you out of their office. Yes. Right? And it was wonderful to see. And I, and, and the little bit of comedy at the end, Did you the, uh, the post-game chat with Bobby where he, uh, he outed uh, Norris. He was calling for a pass. Oh, yes. 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 Netter. Yeah. That was hilarious. A little beaver tapping with the guys <laughs> trying to get a. It's kind of more important. You've got lots of time ahead of you there, Josh. He's looking for his first NHL goal with an empty net. He's yeah. yapping for a pass. Yeah, that was tremendous. Here's a little of Bobby Ryan, an emotional Bobby Ryan on the bench, but uh, he kind of gathered himself and uh, met with the media after what was a very, very special night. You know, I, I knew Ottawa being the community that it is, that the reception would be good. Um, you know, just got harder to keep, kind of keep the emotions down throughout the game. It, uh, it was incredible. They, they supported me and, and I guess to contribute. And, and I mean, you can't write that, right, the, the way that went. And uh, it was just an incredible evening. So, um, you know, I thank you to all of them. I mean, you said you hope that the first goal came yeah. at home, right? Three, three times. Yeah, yeah. It's been a long time since I've done that. Uh, I, I don't know what I was expecting tonight. I was just hoping to kind of take a step forward within my individual game, um, get some more and more timing back. Um, but I had two good line mates tonight. They played. They played incredibly hard, and um, you know I was on the receiving end of some good passes and things like that. So, uh, just just a great night. Do you uh, do you believe in hockey gods? <laughs> uh, oh, I, yeah, I do, but I, I didn't think I'd be on their good side uh, for everything that's gone on for you know in my personal life for the last little while. But 
um, I guess they granted me some reprieve and, and uh, gave me a good night. That's courtesy of Sens TV. Bobby Ryan meeting with the media. All pretty cool stuff. And uh, I don't know. I think it's great that he had a game like that. You can hope, but I don't know that this represents anything yeah. in the way of a turn turnaround. You need to see a bigger sample size. Well, obviously, yeah. You're, you're wondering. You can't help but hope. Well, maybe this is yeah. what Bobby's going to be now. Yeah. Uh, I, the, the other nice thing that we didn't mention or that the, the thing that's best about this is he's a really nice guy. Oh, God. Yeah. I've never met anybody who doesn't like him. And through all of his troubles and all of his turmoils, I think that is what has maybe uh, prevented a little more backlash than there could have been here in this town from the fans that he's just a good guy. So it's nice to see it. No doubt. A couple of summers ago, got a chance to play in the Sens annual tournament that they have every year right before the season starts, and it was just a beautiful day. It was at one of the prettier courses in the city at the Royal Ottawa, and Bobby Ryan was the guy that ended up playing with us in our group. And he was like, he play, he's a good player. He's not, you know, he's not a scratch golfer or anything like that, yeah. but he's apologizing. You know, like <laughs> every time he has a bad shot, he's apologizing to us, even though he's the best player in our group. <laughs> And we're like, okay, let's don't worry about it. Um, but he's, he's he's clearly one of those guys that's uh, really genuine, nice guy, kind of a people pleaser type. That he sure. wants, he wants. You can tell he's one of those guys that wants to be liked. Here's with three radio schlubs, why he'd care one way or the other. But just a really nice guy and uh, had a great day with him. So you're absolutely right, terrific person. Yeah, and uh, his background story we all know by now could have easily gone in a different direction. God, yeah. And yet, uh, and yet, and, and even if he had succeeded as a hockey player, his personality, you would think, stereotypically, would be different. Yeah. It, that, you know, it doesn't mesh that he's a really sweet, nice guy, uh, friendly, lovable, uh, if, you, if we can say. Considering all of that from his background, it's, it's just a great story. You mentioned the exchange about uh, Josh Norris and, uh, and, and and how funny that is. Um, but Norris is also in the news and that he's been sent back down. He was up on an emergency recall basis. And it, it was interesting because, you know, he's out there, um, you know, playing with Bobby Ryan in that moment. Uh, then you look at the game on Saturday night. He's out there to start the three-on-three. It's like they're, they're leaning heavily on this kid, even though he's right. ticketed to go back to Belleville. I thought that was kind of interesting. And it brings up the dialogue of where is the best place for guys like a Josh Norris or a Drake Batherson who's already down in Belleville? And I ask about these two guys in particular because they have a sizable sample size of being in the AHL and doing extremely well. Like the offensive numbers Definitely. have been there in the American Hockey League, particularly Batherson, who's been you know rocking it in the AHL since last year, over 90 games played down there. And what do you think as someone, you know, who develops young hockey players, what's the best place for these two players at this stage of the game? I, I think that the, the idea of having a, uh, a franchise uh, plan, mm-hmm. or, no, plan's not the right word, but um, this is the way we are going to treat them. You can't do that. I think everyone has to be different. I think right. every one of these players has to be treated differently based on their maturity level and their game and their skill level and how, can they fit in. It's more about can they think the game but it's also how, how do they act off the ice, on the ice? Are they able to handle the lifestyle, if you will? It's a totally different scenario off the ice to be on an NHL team as a young kid with a bunch of, if, if it is, a bunch of older veteran players and married guys and all that versus a young kid playing in the AHL with a bunch of young kids. That needs to be taken into consideration. 
I think the other thing that let's not kid ourselves, if this team was possibly in a playoff spot or fighting for a playoff spot, I think he would have been up here sooner, and I think he would have been up here longer and maybe come up earlier in the year and been here and stayed for the rest of the year. They have a luxury here that, okay, you're not going to make the playoffs. They know they're not. So then they can sort of take the Detroit model of the, well, how's it go again? We'd rather have them overripe than underdeveloped. That's exactly you, it. You can, you can do that because of the scenario they're in. Detroit could do it because they were so darn good. Mm-hmm. Ottawa can do it because they're not very good. Not a lot of pressure <laughs> to win right, right? now. So, so it's, it gives them the luxury of doing this. And not only that, the, the lineup in uh, Belleville doesn't have those two or three 30-plus guys rounding out, finishing up their career, eating up all those minutes. Mm-hmm. And you can give those minutes to these kids, the development minutes, the power play, the the PK, the, the first shift in overtime even, all that sort of stuff can be given to these kids, and they're they're flourishing in the case of Norris and Batherson and, and Formington too, right? Oh, absolutely. And I look at the situation, and I don't want to come across as someone who doesn't think that's a good a good game plan, a good blueprint for success. I think it is. Right. I think it can work. But I'm, I'm surprised how universal it is that everybody thinks, oh, yeah, I've gone out of the American Hockey League, get into an AHL playoff run, maybe win a championship together. It'll be great and best thing for the development of the world. But at the same time, and again, I'm only looking at Batherson and Norris because they've already had the success in the AHL. Right. Even Batherson, let me just look at him exclusively. Like, that guy's paid his dues, and he came up and looked awesome in his last stint as a member of the Ottawa Senators. For sure. He looks very NHL-ready to me. So isn't there something to be said for a guy like Batherson coming up to Ottawa and getting a chance in a very low-pressure situation in terms of a pressure to win, but at the same time there is going to be intensity because there's all kinds of teams playing for their playoff lives that will be his opponent. Isn't there something to be said for getting used to the pace the intensity, like everything is happening so much faster in the NHL so that he's got all these games left in this season, he'll be all the more ready come the fall. Isn't there something to be said for that level of development? Yeah, yeah, there's a lot to be said for that. But again, it comes down to who do do they have here now? And and is he taking a spot from somebody who can play at this level just because, oh, you know, he's, he's probably ready. You know, I don't think that the he's probably ready is a good enough reason to bring him here. He can play top six minutes. He can play on the power play down there versus come up here and play third line guy. I don't have a problem with him staying there, but I see your point. You know, what's if he's doing that well, then why doesn't he just stay? I see your point. Yeah, and I, I wonder if Curtis Lazar is playing into this at all. Like the thought of Curtis Lazar and how things went for him here, a lot of people believe that he was rushed to the NHL too soon, and maybe this is an organization that, because of storylines like that, is taking a far more conservative approach than maybe they would otherwise. Yeah, I, I, and and to a certain extent, I think it's been forced upon them too. Like, there's enough bodies here to ice a lineup. It might not be as good as we want it to be. Well, it isn't as good as we'd like it to be. But there's enough bodies here to ice a lineup that we can leave guys down there. And I think that's factors into the decision. But certainly Curtis Lazar, in his time here, who was going to play here instead of him? I don't know. There was no, They went through a dearth of depth mm-hmm. in uh, Binghamton at that that's time. That's a fine turn of a phrase, by Isn't the way. It, though? That's a beauty. <laughs> a dearth of depth. <laughs> there, there, there was a problem down okay, there. We're changing the name of the podcast right now to the dearth of death. But there was a problem in 
uh, Binghamton for about two or three years there where there was just, there was nothing there. Oh, yeah. The cupboard right? was bare. Yeah. And are, are you going to put, who in there, who down there is going to come up and play here instead of Curtis Lazar? You don't want the 19-year-old kid to be your 12th, 13th forward. Right. But if you have nothing else down there, it, it, that factored into it. I'm not saying that they might, let, let's face it, they probably over-evaluated him. But also factoring into it, there wasn't a lot of depth here for there to be somebody other than him. Right. I think there's enough down there now, there's enough up here now, that you can lead those kids down there and have them develop. All right, on the topic of development here in the second period of the Sens Nation podcast, we're going to break it up into threes. It's the second period. Okay. Okay. Long change, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. uh, before we get to a little more development discussion, and that we're going to try and look at uh, what the Sens opening night, night lineup might look like this fall, a little trivia for you. Did you know the Ottawa Senators only have 20 defensemen in their history who've played 200 games with the club? Which I found fascinating. Yeah. Because this isn't a... This isn't a five, ten-year-old club anymore. This team has been around for over a quarter century, and only two hundred or only twenty guys have played two hundred games. That's yeah, you, less than you, three years. You mentioned years. that to me off air, and I, you know, you can rhyme off all the biggies at the top, mm-hmm. but like, did Steve Duchesne maybe not get there, and you think he should have? Did Yorkie not get there, and you think he should have? You're th- not think he should have, but think that he's a guy who did. Yeah. Like Igor Kravchuk, who who are the guys down the bottom of the list, or who are the guys outside the twenty that you're going? Oh, that guy didn't get to two hundred games. Okay, do you want the full twenty? Because I've got <laughs> well, it called I, up in I, front of me. Well, see, I, I wish you'd give me this earlier in the day, and I had time to think it over. Right, but go ahead. All right, Chris Phillips, naturally. Yes. Here we go. This is the twenty guys who played two hundred games or more. Chris Phillips, Wade Redden, Eric Carlson, Cody Cece, Anton Volchenkov, Jason York, Mark Borvietsky. Now I'm starting to lose interest, so I'm going right to the surname only. <laughs> Mathot, Chara, Schubert, Laukinen, you called that one, uh, Kuba, Cowan, Rakunik, Mazaros, Kravchuk, Pitlick, Weirkosh, Lysician, and the latest on Saturday night, Thomas Shabbat. <laughs> okay. Thank you. <laughs> okay, but here's a question for you, Steve. You're, you're shocked by this, that Thomas Shabbat's only the 20th. Okay, who have they had that you think should have been here that long? I don't know. Like, really? It just seemed like, like a small like, number. Like, um, Cowan's on there for crying out loud. Maybe Sergey Gonchar? How about that? Shane okay. Knighty, for example. Okay, Sammy but, Sallow. <laughs> okay, uh, Sallow they traded away. Yes, for give Peter me that Schaefer. One. Gonchar retired here, did he not? Um, they acquired him. He played here. Did they then send him away somewhere? Did, did he, not he not go to th- Dallas or Washington? I'm vaguely remembering things. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, no, he went to Dallas and also played with Montreal. Thank you very much. Okay. Come on over here and give me a pat <laughs> on the back. I don't think there's that many guys where you can say, like, why didn't he play 200? No. They traded him away too soon. But it just there are yeah. six guys playing on a nightly basis for the Ottawa Senators or any hockey team yes and it just feels like after more than a quarter century that there'd be more than 20 guys who played 200 games which equates to two and a half nhl seasons yes that's okay. how i felt about it and then i went i went a step further and, and th- thought about how many guys have had 200 goals for the ottawa senators wow there's only three i was gonna say it can't be more than two or three i, I was shocked by that too i'm easily shocked though as you may <laughs> notice alfie heatley 
You've already struck out. Alfie's, Alfie's one. No. He didn't get to 200 in got all. Got 100 of them in two seasons. Yeah, so that's why I figured he got to 200. You'd think, but he didn't. Spezza got to 200. He sure did. But who's the third then? Somebody was here for a long time and just racked up. They all kind of left in controversial fashion. Mike Fisher didn't score that many goals. No. He never scored that many in his life. No. I don't know who. I'd say the club's very first biggest star. And I think oh, yeah, Shin got to 200. Exactly, yeah. Okay, yeah. Only guy in Sen's history who's been nominated for the Hart Trophy. Okay. Top three. Pretty I'll good. give you that. All right, thank Is you. Is this where you want to do the, uh, maybe you forgot or you never knew this guy played for the Senators well, trivia? Well, no, I want to sprinkle the trivia okay. in, uh, into the show. Okay. I don't want to dump it like just take the salt shaker lid off I'm and just dump the trivia it. all over everything, all over the proceedings. Okay. But I did want to talk a little bit more since we are talking a little bit about development. Yes. And uh, we wanted to kind of look forward to seeing what this team looks like on opening night. Was that where we said we'd go? Yeah, I think we did. <laughs> what, okay. what will the Sens opening night lineup look like this fall? And you've got the cat attacking you right yes. now. <laughs> That's exciting. There's no professionalism here at all. He's walking all over your notes. His name's Simon, by the Simon, way. Simon, if you start purring, Just I'm shove him. put the mic right up against you and everybody can hear you. Here. Shove him right out no, of the way. He's fine. <laughs> all right. Okay. I, I, in my incredible hockey background, wisdom, knowledge, have come up with what did I say it was? 3, 6, 9, 12, 30, 14 forwards, 8 D, and a couple goalies that I think will be around come early October next season. That's a sizable taxi squad you've got going there. Well, all right, they're going to carry 7 D. No, absolutely. Right? It's I've all got good. 8 in Shabbat, Zaitsev, Boro, who gets signed to a, because he's going to be a senator for life. Which means at least three years. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, Hainsey, uh Riley. And then you've got Branstrom, Wolanin, and Yarosh. Tell that's, me about Hainsey. Why do you think Hainsey's back? I think they'll keep him here because when you look at it without Hainsey, there's not a lot of veteran-savvy leadership there. Right. Right? Without Hainsey, how old is Zaitsev? All Russians look too old to me. But if you, He'd be late 20s. Yeah. So he would be the next oldest. He and Boro would be the next two old guys. I mean, right. you've got Shabbat, Riley, Wolanin, Yarosh, and Branstrom in there. Wow. So you kind of need your Hainseys and, and Boros and Zaitsevs in there. So there's there's eight anyway. Right. I'm putting Lassie Thompson, assuming he comes over, he's going to play in Belleville, and I'm leaving Bernard Docker and Taconic at uh, North Dakota, and I don't think I'm missing anybody else. Oh, no, wait a minute. We did come up with a couple I'm giving up on. Them Max Lajoie right? down in the I minors. I don't think Max Lajoie will play another game in the National Hockey League. Hmm. And I think... What uh, don't you like about him? Uh, I, I just don't know what he is. What I don't like about him is retrieval speed. Uh, uh, what is he, though? Is he a puck mover? Is he an uh, offensive defenseman? Is he a shutdown guy? Is he a, he's just a, he, he's Riley. He's just, he's a body that takes his yeah. takes lineup spot, and, and some nights is effective and some nights isn't. It's hard to imagine, like, it's not, he's no, he doesn't seem to be on anybody's radar right now. Yeah. Well, the, guy played 50, the guy played 50, 60 games in the NHL. Oh, yeah, there was an injury yeah, for sure, but there have been moments year. where <laughs> guys are getting called up and they need guys or whatever, and, uh, it just doesn't seem like he's well, that, ever been but, in the but discussion. But he's a classic case of uh, coaching staff liked him. Right. I think he's a classic case of um, probably especially Mark Crawford mm -hmm. uh, had time for him and liked him, and, and that's probably why he stuck around as he did last year. But also the depth wasn't there that's there now. Okay. Like there's there's eight guys I've given who I think are going to be here. Lajoie on the outside looking in, and the other one is the Nightmare on Elm Street guy there. What's his name? Nightmare on Elm Street guy? Yeah. Robert England. Isn't that him? 
<laughs> was not that Andreas, but yes, Robert England is the <laughs> actor who That's played um, Freddy Krueger. Freddy Krueger, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I don't see England being here either. Okay. No, no, nor do I. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that I'm really missing anybody that somebody's going to say, hey, whoa, wait a minute. Every discussion and every decision is always checkered and colored with the concept of, I've got to get to the salary floor, though. you got to keep that yeah. in mind. And that's part of why I enter, even entertain the Ron Hainsey discussion. He seems to be a really good uh, vet, and the guys seem to like him. Um, however, I think that they can go out and find something comparable on the free agent market very short term that will maybe be on ice anyway a little more productive it's one thing to talk the talk and be a good leader but you also have to have some level of ability on the ice yep and from what i've seen in the second half of this regular season i haven't been a fan certainly not enough to be thinking about okay i want to you know throw three four million dollars at that guy i would agree but is he good enough to play in your third pair bringing the intangibles that he's going to bring that they like and they they need in their room coaching staff likes him i I honestly don't know i assume the players like him they do and respect him um that's that's worth something versus bringing the devil you know versus the devil you don't know Mm -hmm. bringing somebody else in i think yeah i i see him being here and i see it being a you know maybe two three million dollars he's to be signed for for a two-year deal or one plus an option or you know, the minimal they can get him at uh, as far as length goes. But I think he stays. Okay, we'll disagree on Grandpa Ronnie. Okay. Let's check the forwards. Okay. All right. In no particular order. Okay. I've moved two centers to left wing. Not too quickly. I need to absorb all this. I know. I've moved two centers to left wing. Okay. That would be Nick Paul and uh, Chapstick. <laughs> Philip Schlappick. Yeah, that guy. That guy. Okay. <laughs> He's playing the left side with Kachuk. So Paul, Schlappick, Kachuk. Formanton, Balsers. Five guys play left wing. Okay. We're okay with that? I, I want all those players in the NHL for sure. Exactly. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really in the headset of where they're going to play exactly, but I'm I glad you're you. this specific. Okay. I got five guys down the middle who are all centermen as well. That's good because you've got okay. a lot. You might as well put a center That's center. your Tierney. Okay. Your Artie Party. By the way, look up on Urban Dictionary what Artie Party oh, means. I'll never say it again, apparently. No, you're not the only person that's doing it, but it's probably worth a look <laughs> okay. to see what Artie Party means in Urban Dictionary lore. Okay. Artem Anisimov. <laughs> there you go. Chris Tierney, White and Brown, Norris. What are you paying Tierney in free agency here? I think Tierney can't help but come in at somewhere between 3 and $4 million. Okay. Just that's what it's going to cost you. Whether you think he's worth it or not, we talked about this before. Who is the replacement? If Paggio goes, yeah. you know, Tierney and Paul are sort of the filler, are sort of the, the filler's the wrong word. They're the guy who's going to take your Paggio minutes. And when we talk about salary floor, I'd almost rather overspend a little bit on some of these short-term deals with guys who've been good soldiers for the organization. Sure. Right? That's another option with some You've of these You've already RFAs. got one guy down the middle who you could argue is being overpaid. Yep. But I think he's going to earn it next year. So that's what I've got down the middle. Okay. Right? And then I have four right wingers. Okay. Connor Brown. Yep. 100%. Anthony Duclair. Mm hmm. The Drake. Love the Drake. And Bobby Ryan. Bobby Ryan. Yeah. You can't argue with any of those. No. So uh, who is not there that maybe somebody might think should be there? As far as young kids go, I guess Abramov and uh, Davidson are not there. Mm hmm. 
but I don't know that they've shown us anything that shows they should be there. As far as currently on the roster, who's not there? Uh, Pekka. Uh, what's the Chase kids? How do I say that? Oh, Jace Howerluck. Howerluck? I just saw, think Dale Howerchuck. Yeah, okay. And Sabarin, who are presently on the roster but will not be there next year, I don't think. And uh, I don't think Bodan gets up here next year. No, nor do I. I, I didn't think he was effective enough. Right? They brought him in to be another Max McCormick. They were traded one for one for each other. And um, and he just, I don't Bodan? know. Is that? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. But uh, he's been very effective. Uh, it, when he's been here, he's he's played well. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, just, he's, he's been fine. I just, I, I'd like to see a guy who's mixing it up maybe even a little more than he was. And that's why I want Sabrin. Uh, right. I, I'm one of the few guys who like Sabrin. Uh, I think he's uh, a better than average skater for what he is. Okay, you know, so most enforcers out? don't skate that well. And I thought, you know, he's, he, he's the kind of guy you want to come out and play your, you know, six, seven minutes. He's not going to hurt you. And he can also help the other players play a little bigger themselves. Okay, so that comes down to Schlappick or Balsers is out? Yeah, one of them. To keep Probably Schlappick. For you to keep Sabra. Yeah. But then again, that's 14 forwards. Right, right. And it's probably only going to be 13. So you got to take two off of my list. I do I do know DJ Smith likes him, obviously. Yes. You know, yeah. and, and I, th- I think he will be here. I think and they... he is a UFA. Correct. Yeah, pending. Okay, and I've got two goalies in Nielsen and Hogberg. Right. And it, it actually, believe it, it is Hogberg. It's not Hogberg. You no, know, it's the, Hog, no, it's Hogberg. Not, they call him Hoggy, but his name is actually Hogberg. Right. Yeah. But it, it, you know what? Right for, and, I'll, and I'll go back and use the example of Marion Hosa. We all called him Hosa. Yeah. But I had a chance to interview him, and I said, how do you pronounce that name? And it was this, I could have gone either way on it, the way he did it. It was more like, uh, it's Hosa. 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 I'm okay. like, is that a ha or a ho? <laughs> ho or a ha? Oh, yeah. Anyway, that's uh, that's neither here nor there. So that's your starting lineup for this fall for the Ottawa Senators. And I don't have, to, I can't quibble with too much of that. Um, again, I probably missed anyone. No, I don't think so. Not off the top of my head. Will no. that will that team even remotely compete for a playoff spot next season? Now that you've I, got it together, they're within ten points down the stretch. I think so. I don't think they'll make the playoffs. But they'll still be relevant, I would think. Well, one of the things that people always forget when they talk about a team that's on the rise, they talk about the additions. You know, you see it in the hockey news preview every fall. We all go through that, and we go, you know, okay, how's this team look? How's that team look? Oh, they've added them. Oh, they lost that. T-. What they've added, and the biggest thing they always add when you're dealing with young players is the young players are a year older, and they're just a little bit further along in their development now, and they'll show up in better shape, stronger, faster, more skilled, more prepared um, to be NHLers. And that's always, in my opinion, going to be what makes a team better uh, when you're talking about a rebuilding club. Yeah, and the one thing that's missing, well, one of the things that's missing, one of the biggest glaring omissions in the current roster is high-end skill. Right. You add these guys, the younger kids who are bringing that skill, you add a year of experience to younger kids who skill levels will rise, Yes, you'll push for a playoff spot. They're not going to be out of it. Like, Detroit's out already, right? <laughs> out of a playoff spot? Oh, yeah. They were out oh, like yeah. last I mean, week. Yeah, I mean, they're 20 uh, points behind the league. Senators could conceivably be eliminated from the playoff race within two weeks. You never know. But I think that next year, they're they're in it longer. Right. I don't think they're going to make it, but they'll be in it longer. How's that? The trade deadline came and went, and I think we both agreed that, ooh, it could get uh, a little ugly down the stretch. 
And watching these last couple of games, they play them with great energy. They come out with victories. And I'm like, maybe, you know, maybe we don't give some of these guys the credit they deserve. And, and who knows what happens next season. But there's certainly an opportunity for them to compete for a playoff spot. We'll know pretty quickly in the first couple of months if this team is kind of gelled and has any cohesion at all. It's the work ethic yeah. that allows them to be to have any success that they've had this year. So that's the coaching dilemma. How do I increase my skill level without seeing a drop in work ethic? Right. I st- it's, a, it's a knock that your high-end skill players are often not your high-end workers. But if you have managed to instill some of that this year in some of those younger kids, they come next year with the same level of work ethic, increased skill level. It's good. The Ottawa Senators are extremely pleased to select... The Sens Nation Podcast. All right, let us get to obscure Senator trivia as we continue to sprinkle trivia throughout the proceedings. We're going to talk in just a moment about the best-case scenario for the Sens draft this summer. But you've got this week's obscure Ottawa Senator. I struggled with this. I want it duly noted Uh that a co-host of yours did some research. Nice. A co-host of yours showed up prepared. <laughs> I, we, we've talked about this, you and I, about the obscure former senator. It doesn't necessarily have to be trivia, but, you know, it, it's the the guy you either didn't know or you completely forgot that he played here. Right. So with that in mind. Before you launch in, though. Yes. Is there a player that springs immediately to mind when you think just generally, think of the obscure Ottawa senator of the past. Like, what name pops to mind for you? For me, it's Dmitry Filimonov. I don't know why. <laughs> it just does. No, I was, no, it's, it's Kai, Kai, Kai Garodov. Alexei Kagarodov? Yeah. Kangaroo Dog? Yeah, that's him. Yeah, sure. That was a good one. Was he part of the... Was it him or Shast Levy that was part of the tourist Tourist. Deal? He was tourist. Okay, yeah. got it. He was tourist. Um, where were we? Where you were, were giving we? me a name, oh, yes. though. You were going to give me a name. I was giving you Kangaroo Dog. That's the one. Okay, got it. Or, or the, the um, so you're an expert. Andy Sutton. Andy Sutton. And you forget he was here. He was a big man. Oh, huge. He was only here for one short playoff run, right? And then he was gone. Yeah. Anyway, so I went looking with that in mind, obscure, but I, they're not necessarily obscure. This guy's not obscure. But a guy who played here, and he is the all-time franchise leader in shooting percentage amongst players with at least 10 shots on goal. Uh, That's the kicker. Because at 33%, Vitaly Abramov, three shots, one goal. And uh, Patrick Seeloff, three shots, one goal. But I got to say that that clue is the most deceptive clue in the history of trivia. When it comes to this player. Absolutely. Yes, because he only played 11 games. And I'm, th- I'm thinking, though, at least having a little bit of offensive jam. A little, at least. Yes. Three, not not so much. No, 11 games over two seasons mm-hmm. was uh, was acquired at the deadline of 03 for future considerations, which turned out to be nothing. Nothing ever went the other way. Had spent uh, 10 or 12 Somebody might have got a drink bought for them. Who knows? Exactly, yeah. Had spent like 10 or 12 years with another franchise. Was born in uh, 68, okay. which would make him 52. A broadcaster now? A broadcaster now. Played in Cornwall. I in, didn't know that. In the O. Uh, was a fifth-round draft choice. Okay. Was acquired by John Muckler. Mm-hmm. Because he, he had all but retired from Buffalo at the time, right, when they acquired this guy. Pretty much. Yep. And came over here just to be a 
tough guy presence for the playoff run, but then didn't play a single playoff game. But over the course of two seasons, Rob Ray wow, in 11 games had three shots and one goal. There will be no greater moment in Sens history, well not Sens history, <laughs> yeah. but in NHL history than that moment where a fan got loose on the ice and uh, as A.J. Jakubek would put it, <laughs> Rob Ray uh, broke out the lawnmower yeah. on this fan. It was nuts. <laughs> like that, that fan was well subdued and yet... He continued to rain blows yes. down on this guy's skull. <laughs> Go YouTube it and count them. <laughs> oh, yeah. And nobody seemed to be, you know, nobody was really intervening. It was just like, oh, Rob's doing his thing. Uh, I don't think he's a danger to us anymore, Rob. <laughs> Doesn't matter. I'm not done yet. <laughs> and then there was one night where he was um, between the benches of a Buffalo-Ottawa uh, game mm-hmm. where the coaches were yelling and screaming at each other. Remember that? Oh, God, yeah. That was a classic. That was... The night where Ray Emery got in two fights in the same shift. He had to fight That's right. Marty Biron, and he had to fight Andrew Peters right Peters after. First. And Peter. that was Brian Murray and Lindy Ruff. They were yelling, and uh, they're both up on the boards, basically. And uh, you could see Rob Ray's trying to disguise <laughs> his mic so all the F-bombs <laughs> yeah, aren't getting yeah. through live on the air. He's that was middle. a memorable night, big time. Yeah. Razor laughing the whole oh, yeah. time yeah. he's fighting. What a beauty yeah. he was! It's like, <laughs> and in, and there'll be nobody, no other goalie, maybe that I can think of in my lifetime where you'd say, "No, he's good." You know, <laughs> to get in one, not one, but two fights. Okay, goalie fights happen, but the guy's like nuclear deterrent comes over just right. after Emery had finished a fight. He's got to fight him too. Yeah, there'll be nobody in. Of any goalie in history, where you'd say that would be remotely acceptable, except for a guy who loved, loved, loved to fight like Ray Emery did. Yeah, and it's it, it's one thing for a goalie to fight a goalie; it's another thing for a goalie to fight a player. Yeah, it's another thing for a goalie to fight your heavyweight. Yeah, that's the thing. Like it wasn't just some third line plug. Well, he's a third line plug, but the guy was their number one. Probably one of the top four or five heavyweights in the league at the time. Yeah, but Ray Emery, that's... That's I Ray mean, in, in, like I say, 99% of the situations, they would come to his defense. Right. The, go- the, the goalie's fighting the other guy's team's tough guy. We got to get in there and break it up. No, it's no, Ray. It's Ray. He's good. He's, he's good. good. He's loving this. <laughs> he's even, even in the Peters fight, he smiled through the whole <laughs> yeah. thing. Anyway, that is your obscure sense trivia. Uh, let us talk a little bit about the draft ahead because we're all pretty pumped about the draft. That's really all there is to look forward to in the big picture. Um, doing well in the lottery and then actually heading to the draft with all these wonderful slips of paper that say, oh, we're going to be in three times, first round draft picks. Yeah. There's so much good stuff that's going to be available to them in the draft. And tell us what you've done based well, on things historically. Well, I had said last week with the nine picks in the first three rounds, it's three firsts, four seconds, two thirds, nine picks in the first three rounds. And I said, they'll never use them all. Mm-hmm. And my, my uh, argument for it was, you will not be able to afford to pay them all, assuming they all work out. Right. So having said that, I know there will be no math. I did look. Uh, the last 10 years of NHL drafts and going on as of today and assuming nothing happens with the uh, lottery, the Senators will pick 3rd, 4th, 22nd, 34th, 52nd, 53rd, 56th, 65th, 74th, whatever. Uh, Looked in the last 10 years to the best player who was selected in each of those slots. Interesting. Yes. And then went and found out what they all get paid. Okay. And those, so this is an opinion that of of the best player. 
yeah, in my, each of those slots. Opinion, Fair enough. Like the best third overall pick in the last 10 years is Leon Dreisaitl. Right. At $8.5 today. I think everybody take that. You got 100 points and we didn't even get to March. Yeah. And you the fourth best fourth overall pick, Mitch Marner. Okay. At pretty much $10.9 million. Best 22nd overall pick, Ole Matta. All right. Yep. And he's making four mil. How many times has that guy had calamitous injuries? And True. Just, uh, I mean, that guy has been a dark cloud as far as uh, injury goes. And anyway, yeah, yeah. all right. Uh, it drops off a little. The best 34th overall pick I can find in the last 10 years is, uh, what's his first name? That Dermot kid plays a defense for the Leafs? Travis. Travis Dermot at 863 grand. Okay. A, a bargoon. The 52nd overall pick, which the Senators own from Columbus in the Dezingle deal, there's not one guy in the NHL. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah. 52nd overall. That's a second-round pick in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Not one of them. So you're paying zero for that draft choice. But the 53rd overall pick, uh, William Carlson. That would do. Yeah, that's 5.9 mil. Have you looked at his stats this year? Like he not was a 40-goal so scorer. Like what has happened to him? Not so strong. It makes you wonder if that first season in Vegas was the anomaly hmm. as opposed to the rising development curve. Uh, 56th overall would be Ryan Donato. That's 1.9 mil. Not sure what he is yet. Yeah, uh, he's not $1.9 million top six forward, that's for sure. Well, I mean, when he came up, boy, Pierre Maguire was singing his praises, and I expected a lot more based on that, and it certainly hasn't materialized. Right. Uh, 65th overall would be defenseman Adam Pellick mm-hmm. at 1.6 mil. And the final of the big top three rounds, the 74th overall pick, which they will get from Winnipeg, that's the DeMello acquisition. Right. Uh, no one. Hmm. No one in the NHL. So of the nine positions that they're drafting in, there are seven guys in the NHL who you consider to be regulars and, and fairly high-end. Those guys make a combined $33.7 million. Right. That's seven players. So, yeah, you add in... There'll what, probably be some trades, is what you're saying. Exactly, because you add in what you're already paying White, what you're going to end up paying Kachuk, what you're already paying Shabbat, what you're going to be paying by the time those guys work out, what you're going to be paying a Batherson or Formanton, um, even a Norris on his second deal. Mm-hmm. You cannot afford to have all nine of these picks hit. So you are going to make a deal. Right. And I'd like to see them make a deal for a... 25 to 28 year old top six forward yeah with with draft picks and maybe even an existing player or two whatever you can do to expedite this rebuild you go ahead and try and do that okay let me ask you this which would you prefer your best case scenario right now is to get one two and four best case scenario would you prefer (laughs) uh to trade two of those, like let's say your top pick is third or fourth. Are you, let's say you end up with like three, five, and 17. Right. Are you okay with just three if you trade five and 17? Or would you prefer to have three and five? Hmm. Like are you trading a top five pick, I guess is the question. I'm not. No, I... Even I, if you got two of them. I. Yeah, it, it's a tough one. One of the things that I don't want to muck too much with is anything that's happening in the first round because I think as far as you can criticize the Sens for this or that, one thing you cannot criticize them for in the big picture, they do pretty damn well with the amateur scouting. They certainly do. Led yeah. by Pierre Dorian, and 
I, I have great faith that they're going to make good decisions. And you know, of course, Barry Trotz is right, you know, to a degree that there's no guarantee that picks work out. But uh, you obviously, the higher you are, the, the better opportunity, the better talent pool you have. And uh, you're going to make a good selection the earlier these picks are. I don't want to see them deal anybody that's in the top five. Do you? I don't think they should, no. Uh, I mean, people are out there saying, oh, well, if they get three and four, they can trade them for one. Right. Yeah, no, that's not going to happen. Nobody's trading number one, not for three and four. Uh, no, no, I don't think anybody would trade it at all. Um, I don't have a problem with the trading of first-round draft choices in general if you justify it with a simple analogy, I guess. My thing is, if the first round, if the player I'm getting, I believe, is comparable to a first-round draft choice, like he's, I know his stats, I've seen his career, and what he's going to be for me, then yeah, I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. I'm not trading a first-round draft choice in a hope and a prayer. Like Kyle Turris, was he not a first-rounder? Oh, yeah, he's third overall. Yeah, and no, but I mean the trade. Was there not a first-rounder involved in that deal? Oh, yeah, it was David Runeblad. He was a first-rounder, you're right, yeah. yeah. I'm just thinking, uh, if I'm trading the 10th overall pick and I'm getting a, a top three forward, then why wouldn't I do that? That's that's about what I could hope to get with my first-round pick next year anyway. Right. And he's established and he's there now. That's the art of being a general manager, knowing how to yeah. read I, all I, these tea leaves and figure out what's going on and getting your financials in order at the same time. I mean, it'd be fun to just pick the best guys available, but there's so many variables yeah. that go at the same time. And I, I just, I'd much rather see them trade these picks for bodies mm-hmm. rather than other picks. Oh, God, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, that's... I don't want to see you combine... Uh, two seconds and a third for another first round pick yeah that matters you know get these guys uh, a little farther along why wait uh, an extra two years for a guy to come along when you can get guy a guy that's that much closer to I, being in the league i'm not against trading picks for other picks i'm just saying in this case with what is here with what's in the cupboard now if you can use those picks to find guys 25 to 28 who can step in and play in your top six up front or your top four at the back end do it All right, so let's wrap up today by checking on the Sens' birthdays this week. It's our excuse to <laughs> finish with a bang. Exactly. <laughs> it's our excuse to walk down memory lane is what it is. And the big three, in my opinion, Yep. Anton Volchenkov turned 38 this week. Shot blocker extraordinaire. The A-train. He's yeah. only 38. Yep. He, had, uh, he played 428 games with the Ottawa Senators. He's another one of those guys, we should make a list sometime, guys who are very successful um, serviceable National Hockey League players or mm-hmm. better under Jacques Martin who were never anything the same anywhere else. Yeah, it's true. There's the no aforementioned doubt. Yanni Laukinen. Yeah. The, uh, Andre Mazaros. Yeah. Even guys like Stevie Martins and there were players that were very effective under Martin with the system here that just didn't happen for them after yeah. they were gone. And opportunity is a big thing, right? You're, you're getting opportunities in one place, and then you're used in a different role somewhere else. Yeah. A coach likes you here. He just kind of likes you there. I think about Brian Gibbons, for example, who is celebrating a birthday this week. There you go. Four- the other little guy that I was trying to come up with last week. Exactly. I think I got it. Yeah, you did. 14 points in 20 games for the Sens last year. He's nowhere now. Right. I think, I, I, I think Carolina or Jersey or something like that. And he's yeah. played like about 15 games. I was trying to come up with I said, yeah, because you remembered Gibbons for me. Right. It was Lindbergh's birthday. Yeah. 
and the other one was Duclair. The three of them came in and just lit it up down right. the stretch right. last year. I don't think of Duclair as a throwaway that like I did last year at this time. I kind of put no, him no, in that no, Gibbons. But, but it was three guys yeah. who seemed to do all the scoring last year. For they were sure. all brand new. But that's just why I didn't arrived. think of it. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, So you got also uh, Sean McEachran turned 51 this week. He's now a minor hockey coach at a prep school in Boston. He played 454 games for the Sens, 304 points. I think he rode shotgun with Yashin for a he long did. time. He did. And... Uh, yeah, he played a lot longer than I thought he did for the Sens, to be honest. And uh, by the way, Volchenkov is now in the KHL, still playing. He's, he's, still really? an act, he's still an active player. He had so many injuries after leaving. He went to the Devils, right? Yep. Did he go anywhere else or just New Nashville, Jersey? Nashville, I think. He, he did go to Nashville. I think so. Big, huge tank. I just oh. think of him as being a tank back Well, I, I we actually went to uh, the skating treadmill at the CTC. Yeah. And as we waited... Volchenkov was on the treadmill and he had it at the highest level so it was like <laughs> steep and uphill yeah. which always struck me as odd yeah it's like that might help the muscles and everything but it's not exactly putting you in the best <laughs> angle for skating right you know I last I checked I, we, we sometimes see games that are blowouts <laughs> and we say the ice is tilted but it's not literally tilted <laughs> good point yeah. yeah but I've never seen a dude with a bigger lower body than that guy yeah, how are those thighs oh dude? my god yeah. Just the hockey ass, the gigantic thighs, yeah. and he was just, a, I mean, a beast for sure. Yeah. Uh, also, Darcy Lone, you remember him? You remember the the, uh, the little 51. granny? Remember the granny behind the goal at the Civic Center? I don't. With the Lowen jersey? No. Oh, yeah, she was like the number one fan for the first two or three years. Well, he was a crowd favorite. Yeah, well, they came out that one entrance. Yeah. She was just beside there. The lady wore her Darcy Lowen jersey every game. Oh. White-haired little old granny. The only thing I remember from the first season was that dentist who he was trying to do the Philadelphia Spectrum thing with the signs. Yeah, he'd have all the signs and stuff. But honestly, and and with all due respect, the signs were terrible. Yes, they were. It was like, I like being at Ottawa Senators games, like that kind of thing. (laughs) It wasn't clever. There was no, what, it's not mocking the other team, nothing. sign man with his Ilka Scoragolo? Yes. Or or wait a minute, wait a minute. (laughs) Buffalo comes to town and the sign man holds up the sign. Hey, Hashik, you schmelik like Zhitnik. No, that's not bad. That's a classic. I don't hate that. Yeah. I don't no, ha- the granny sat behind the net at the one end, the entrance, the player entrance, with her Darcy Lowen jersey on every night for two years, probably. You always got an honest night's work out of Darcy Lowen. <laughs> the he whirling dervish. No offensive ability whatsoever, and uh, just because he was going all the time and running into whatever he could, he was undersized. <laughs> He automatically became a fan favorite. Only lasted the first two seasons for the Sens uh, history, but uh, I remember a picture of him I could water skiing in cowboy boots. Are you sure it was him? Oh, yeah. I couldn't tell you. I wouldn't sure know if I stepped on him, I don't think. Oh, yeah. No, he's yeah but a- here's your segue now to talk to our listeners. Feel free to comment and share with us your memories of that granny lady that you don't remember. Oh, yeah. I want to know all about her. Well, Somebody I- out there knows me. They, they don't. Somebody knows I'm not talking out of my butt here. Okay, so now that you brought that up, the, anything you want to react to from the show that was today, uh, you can go to SensNationPodcast at Outlook.com. That's our email address. We've also got our Facebook page up, the Sens Nation Podcast. You can check that out as well. Um, the website, SensNationPodcast.com. So lots of places, lots of ways Twitter. to connect with us. Twitter as well, Sens Nation. Actually, sorry, Sens Podcast. At Sens Podcast. Because Sens Nation Podcast is too long. So we went with Sens, okay. Sens Podcast. Thank yes. you very much. Great job as always. Not sure. I, I, I want Scott Sabrin on the team next year. but that's Yeah, okay. Me, okay. He's not going to be there. You think? 
No, he All won't right. be there. Fair enough. Okay, we'll talk to you next week, man. Good night, everybody. Good night. Oh, stop it. Ah. That's taken. Thanks for being with us on the Sins Nation podcast. New episodes every Tuesday morning. If you enjoyed the show and want to help the nation grow, please visit SinsNationPodcast.com. Leave a positive rating or review. Share the show with other Sins fans. Become a Patreon member or subscribe for free and never miss a single episode. Until next time, go Sins Go!